You're listening to The Morning Muster, where we get sailors together to talk about the most important topics of the day. So grab a cup of hot chai. Or a coffee. I'm Teresa Carey. And I'm Ben Carey. This podcast is produced by Morse Alpha. We offer rigorous coastal and offshore sail training expeditions. Check out morsealpha.com. We still have a few spots left in our interactive webinar series called Head Up for women and non-binary sailors. We started hosting this series last winter and had a blast. We limit the number of participants so we can keep it intimate and personal. There are five sessions. At the end of the course, there's a happy hour to talk sailing with other inspiring sailors. Visit morsealpha.com to find out more and to sign up. We also have one berth available on the Newfoundland to Rockland leg. That's 850 nautical miles of rugged ocean sailing. This is going to probably be a challenging trip with some fog and upwind sailing. There's also a couple of bunks left on the Monhegan Race Expedition. That'll be coastal training, uh, plus the overnight 141 nautical mile race to Monhegan Island and then back to Portland, Maine. So check out morsalpha.com for details on both of those expeditions. Yeah, let's just go ahead and get started. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for for joining us. Uh, We have the crew here from the Morsalpha 219 Expedition. Um, I just want to ask you guys to introduce yourself. I'm going to go right down the road. Brandon, will you start? Uh, I'm Brandon Fox, and I'm from Richmond, Virginia. Brandon, why did you join the expedition? I felt like I needed some real sailing skills. I had taken another nameless course which was really just geared toward passing tests and getting stickers. And I had taken one of your guys' courses at uh, Cruisers University, and it always stuck in my mind. And then you had the podcast. And uh, yeah, it was something I'd been wanting to do for a long time. I was really, really scared to do it because we were going to potentially run into bad weather, and there's lots of rocks in Maine, and then doing a night sail. But I just sort of jumped off a cliff and uh, decided to do it. And then I talked my husband into coming with me. And it sounds like the parachute deployed. And <laughs> worked out. I'm alive. <laughs> and I mean, my mental health is okay. <laughs> today. Oh, today. Today. And we're still married. And we're uh, still married. <laughs> Chris, can you introduce yourself? Uh, yes. Um, Chris, I'm Brandon's husband and uh, kind of following up what Brandon said, for me, it was, um, yeah, an an opportunity to learn as much as possible. It was also an opportunity to compare and contrast. So see how somebody else does some of the things that we do on our boat in the different ways that that happens. And then I can kind of like meld them together and come up with our own means of doing things. Where we sail is in Virginia and the Chesapeake Bay. And that's a, it's a very forgiving place to sail. There's not a lot of hard objects. Um, you run aground, you run into soft mud. So um, kind of like sailing around Maine added a whole new level of excitement, uh, which was super cool. And uh, I learned a ton about just uh, navigating coastal waters like that and how to kind of make sure you do it safely. So it was, it was tremendous, yeah. Thank you. It was also a boat that was the same age as our boat. Very similar boat, That yeah. was really, really important yeah. because you, you know, you learn on a new boat and you come back to your old boat and you're like, I have no idea how, I mean, you're supposed to get a greater comprehension, but I didn't. And uh, it was really great to be on a boat that was similar. Mm. Thank you. Uh, Angela, can you introduce yourself? I'm Angela McIntyre. I live in Rockland, Maine. I was the mate on the trip and um, 
I was just there to soak in the paycheck. Um, I'm glad I did. <laughs> no, but um, I'd done a lot of coastal sailing in Maine, um, but taken a little break for a few years and was really ready to get out there again. And I'd heard such wonderful things about Ben and Teresa's program from their previous employees. And so I was really, really happy to sign up for the trip and help out. It was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Daphne. Hi, I'm Daphne. Hey. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Daphne Douglas, and I joined the trip because you called and said, hey, do you want to go on this trip? Yes, but you signed up. Yeah, I mean, I tried. (laughs) You were on the wait list. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I just thought that I was at a point where, you know, I'd, I'd kind of done enough that I just wanted an opportunity to tie everything together into one outing, and I think that she pretty much covered that. It was a great point in my sailing career to just kind of wrap everything together. And Benji, will you introduce yourself since you're a a guest today on the podcast? I am a guest. Cool. Um, I am Ben Carey, and I I guess I led the trip, or I organized these people and helped them get from point A to point B. (laughs) Are you sure? You guess? Are you sure? I think I did. (laughs) Yeah. I was on board for some some of it. (laughs) He is so humble. Well, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, the man with inhuman patience. And Angela, too. I have no idea if you were born (laughs) with that temperament or you just learned it. It was crazy. Survival instincts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's dive right into it. I want to hear about what the biggest surprise was for you all on this expedition. Something that happened that you didn't expect or a delightful surprise or maybe a discouraging surprise. I was surprised at how well we instantly got along and then it just grew and grew throughout the week and it also was hilarious. We had hilarious people on the trip and I didn't expect that at all. That made it just even better. Brandon, since you're talking about getting along, everybody on this trip, except you two who are married and came together, everybody on the trip was pretty much a stranger to each other. And there were two other people also on this trip that aren't here on the podcast. Brandon, can you just give a shout out to them and, and say who they uh, are? Ch- Chanda and um, Molly, who also, I mean, they just, they were great. They I just... had actually sailed with Molly before in April on another charter. Did you know she was going to be on the trip? So I was first made on, on the charter and she was, she was a guest. So it was just a different dynamic. And uh, I, interesting. I didn't know you were the maid on that trip. I guess we didn't discuss that. But. I just pulled the anchor up. <laughs> <laughs> Cooked the food. <laughs> what other surprises were there on your more Morselfa expedition? The food was great. Um, you had a real challenge there, Teresa, because we had several different dietary needs that all had to be combined in one. And that was great. And I loved your recipes. And everyone, I mean, it was killer food, I thought, the whole time. Yeah, yeah, we had great meals. You know, I'm still eating some of the food from that expedition that was left over. And in (laughs) fact, just yesterday, I said to Ben, I want to know what they ate on this trip. Because why do we still have all this special food that I bought? What were they eating? I wish you would have written it down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think we could probably uh, recreate it. Everybody could remember. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Angela, I could, I could as remember. a as the mate on the expedition, and also your first time working for more self expeditions, were there any surprises for you? Um, I think I was really overall approaching the program. I was just surprised and delighted at how organized it was. That was I love organization, so that was a a great surprise to stumble upon. Um, 
It made it really easy to relax into the trip and really focus on teaching and experiencing the trip without having to worry about all those details. So for me, the organization and preparation that you guys do for the trip, and I think Teresa, it's probably a lot of you, um, that was that was stellar. Um, I was also just surprised also at the, the camaraderie that developed so fast um, with a small group of random adults and how fun it was. I had a lot more fun than I thought I would. I thought it was going to be drudgery, and it, it wasn't. <laughs> you are a mercenary. I mean, Angela, come on, face it, mercenary. Daphne, wow. what was the best surprise for you? Well, you know, every time you step onto a boat, it's it's like a different situation. And I was saying, like, my whole goal was just to not be on the do not invite back list. <laughs> <laughs> Did she pass, Ben? Did she pass? She's on the invite back. Oh, list. great. Yeah. She's definitely. We'll have you back <laughs> on a short trip. <laughs> um, I was also, I mean, yeah, I was, no, I was, yeah, I was also surprised about how well everybody got along. And it was just like after, after day one, like, I mean, it, it felt like we'd probably worked together before or we're just very accepting of everybody's imperfections or whatever. Nobody really bothered anybody, I think. So do you guys think that everybody mentioned the camaraderie? Uh, do you think there should be a reunion expedition next yeah, year? Actually, I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love that. I would do it. Maybe Newfoundland all oh, the way Lord. to Newfoundland. Yeah. Yes. But Brandon, I wanted to come back to you because um, you wanted to mention something about organization to kind of go back to that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really important to me to have different. Everybody was assigned a different job. And then it shifted every day, so you learn something entirely different. I mean, it's stuff we can take to our own boat and make it make trips easier and check on things in a really consistent way. And I loved that we just whip through and clean the boat at the very end, um, which is not anything we ever do. We just step off and leave and wait until it... Well, I mean, we don't do the floors or anything. <laughs> I mean, we step off and wait till it gets really dirty and do it again. So... <laughs> Anyhow, I loved, like Angela, the organization. I thought it was great structure. One thing that Ben and I have learned after doing a lot of these trips over the years is that um, the structure at first is kind of like, oh, what are we in fourth grade? You know, who the student of the week or something <laughs> like that, captain of the day. But then it's it's really becomes essential when things get rough. And inevitably, on a more self course, there will be a day where things are really challenging. Um, maybe we should talk about that day. You guys had a bad weather, at least one bad weather day. I was home watching the weather, paying attention, and I was like wondering what y'all were doing out there. So how did that day go for you? It evolved, um, I guess, in a way that I wasn't quite expecting. Slowly the fog rolled in. We lost a lot of visibility. Um, we had to rely on our dead reckoning and the charts and and then we hit some open water and then the waves came in and then the wind picked up. So it kind of escalated throughout the day, which I think for, for me, it was good because, uh, it had, we just like left Anchorage into those conditions. I would have been a little freaked out, but because, uh, we gradually went into it and, um, Ben and Angelo just kind of like rolled with it. I'm like, okay, they're cool with it. So I guess I'm cool with it. Kind of like being on an airplane and you look at the stewards on the plane to see if they're nervous, I should be nervous. But with uh, Ben and Angela, I was like, all right, they're cool. So I guess we're cool. So, you know, waves and fog will just kind of keep going. And uh, that structure that we, um, we were just talking about helps also. It kind of gives you a 
something to when you're really not sure what to do, you just go back to it and you, and that kind of gives you something to hold on to and, and follow. It's like, all right, I'm not sure what's going on here, but I got my job. I'm going to do my job and then it'll all, all be good. But it was great. It, it was beautiful. The fog was beautiful. The wind was beautiful. Mm-hmm. The boat performed so well. I was really pleased this with how it This is the bad day sailed. you're talking about. <laughs> This is the bad, the bad I, weather I, day. I, I was like, beautiful. I, I want to um, jump in here and ask you to expand on something there. Well, as far as Angela and Ben being okay with that, they've sailed in Maine for years and years and years. And Maine is notorious for thick fog and then bright sunny day alternating back and forth and just rolling in and rolling out. And, and so you mentioned that you focused on the dead reckoning in the charts. Well, a lot of people in this community, in the yachting community, would turn right to their chart plotter, or maybe their chart plotter was already on or is always on. But at Morselfa, we don't have a chart plotter on board all the time. We might turn it on on the very last day because obviously you need to learn to use it because it is such a great tool to have and most people do have it nowadays. But um, how did you feel about being expected to navigate in the fog with just a paper chart and a compass. Well, I mean, for me, that was precisely why I was there. And what did it do? What did it, did it meet your expectations? What did it do for you? Yeah, I mean, I've got to get some more laminated charts for Isadora, my boat, Isadora. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go out and get a wax pencil. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, it, it's that was the thing that really, I think, kind of tied everything together for me because I've, I've done years and years and years of terrestrial navigation. And I just, I've relied on basically my iPad for navigation for the brief time that I was on the Chesapeake. And we had, um, or I have paper charts too. And so we kind of use a combination of a couple different things to, to put us on the, on the chart. But if I didn't have the iPad, if I didn't like have a, a GPS or something, like it, it really kind of, um, put the imperative where it needed to be. I mean, you guys did something really amazing and really challenging by navigating in the fog like that. The example that I can think of for someone who's never navigated in the fog is imagine driving down the highway and then closing your eyes for five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do do it for real. Just imagine it. Um, Just imagine driving down the highway, closing your eyes for five, like legitimate full seconds. What could happen? It could be a disaster. It's the same with navigating in the fog. If you're not on top of it or you get, a, you know, you plot your course slightly off or you're not following your steering by the compass and you do that for, I mean, sailboats move a, a little bit slower than cars, but in Maine there are so many hazards out here that if you're <laughs> off course or not on top of your navigation for a minute, a degree or something, it could lead to a collision with a rock or shore mm-hmm. or something like that. What was really so. uh, a, a nice moment for me and all that and kind of, again, reinforcing and, and giving me some reassurance was we were navigating. It was blind. We couldn't see anything. And then people were on watch looking out, and there it was. This green can looms out of the out of the fog just like we planned it to. And, and it's like, oh, yeah. We just did that, that it works. <laughs> and to see that, it's like, ah, oh, we're now at this point and we, you know, would have to change course or something. But it, just to, that reassurance and that confirmation that what we were doing at the time was working. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when I picture fog, it's on a still day and not much wind. But you guys had fog and wind at the same time, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was windy in the morning. It might have, did it calm down in the afternoon as the fog rolled in? 
No, I remember it picking up, especially when we were coming down the fjord. It was it was blowing hard, and we were rocking and rolling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was good, good sailing. That was, yeah. that was great sailing. Yeah. That's really challenging. Yeah, it often funnels right in there. It's a great spot for wind. I just want to say something about um, Angela and Ben. I was really scared of the fog, and they were so kind to me, and they let me step back and just deal with it and everybody else took over and worked together and I mean I didn't die at the end of the day like I thought <laughs> I thought I would and then I woke up the next day and I was like oh today's a new day and you know I thought that was kind of an amazing lesson actually I, I would like to say that one of the things that I was impressed with was that everybody did step in you know it was no big deal if, if somebody wanted to get off the helm or somebody wanted to get on the helm or just take another job, people were more than willing to just rotate through. It was never an issue. Brandon, you said you, you're surprised that you didn't die. <laughs> <Can you? laughs> I want to hear more about how this day went for you. Um, the day, uh, the day. I mean, I sort of didn't want to talk about it, but um, for <laughs> me personally, I was the least experienced on the boat. And um, I was supposed to be captain of the day, and frankly, I just couldn't handle it. Just, I'd been listening to the weather obsessively, which probably was a really bad idea, and gotten myself pretty worked up about what it was going to be like. And I just felt like this was not a good idea. And Angela and Ben were like, okay. You know, first they taught me through it. Angela taught me through it. Thank you, Angela. And... Um, then when it was clear that this was not good, a good place for me, I could step back and just deal with it on my own. Yeah, I guess by the time we anchored, I'd overcome my, overcome my fear. If we ran into bad weather on our boat that we didn't know about, I mean, I'm like, now, you got to work for a good weather window. But um, if we accidentally ran into bad weather, I think I would be okay. I think you would. <laughs> That's awesome. Because to me, I saw the worst and survived. <laughs> <laughs> so something that I've that I've learned. You said you you were the least experienced on the boat, but I don't necessarily feel like that was true. Like hearing about how the expedition went and your contribution to the crew and everybody else's, I feel like as far as experience goes. You can have a lot of experience or know a lot about sailing, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a good sailor. And a good sailor is maybe what you're talking about, Brandon, having gone through something and now coming out on the other side, and now you have a new temperament about it, or you have a new way of looking at things and approaching things. And um, that's where the experience comes from. So you could be a rookie and only sail one more self-expedition or w one summer or something and, and far exceed someone who's been sailing in fair weather for a few hours every Wednesday night mm -hmm. for years and years. That's and really years. lovely of you to say. <laughs> <laughs> something, something I noticed on this trip that was doesn't always happen uh, that I thought, you know, Brandon, you were really, um, I know you said you're, you're talking about the time you needed to step back. And I also saw you step forward a lot um, and step into challenging situations and just take it on. And everybody has that space where it's too much and you can't learn and you just got to recoup. And um, something I loved about this trip is people were pretty transparent about where they were at and what was challenging for them and asking for support. And that doesn't always happen on a boat um, trip. And, and actually, I think that's actually very dangerous when people don't talk about 
where they're at and when they feel insecure or when they need help. So just seeing the crew all kind of talk to each other about how they need support and myself included, it was my first trip. So I had to say what I had and hadn't done before. I love that about this trip and I think it makes for a safer voyage overall. So thank you, Brandon, for being really honest and vulnerable about where you were at. Um, I think it was a really great example for all of us to see. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like, I mean, that kind of quality is the makings of a good captain, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. You know, I've heard, I've been in this industry long enough. I don't know how many times I've heard someone say, I'm the captain, I have the final say. And I I just feel like anybody who needs to say that is not the kind of captain I need to be working for. I feel like leading a crew, it should feel like we've all done this together. We've all done this with joy, maybe a little trepidation at time, but, you know, we all willingly said, I want to do this, and uh, here's where I'm at. Yeah, agreed. That was a, a great trip for that, I, Angela. It was well said, I think. And it was nice. You and I both had mor- morning meetings, and that is super important for uh, the trip as a whole, to, for us as the leaders, in quotes, to uh, be on the same page as well. So that worked out really well. I think that helped the whole trip communication-wise for us to be communicating so clearly. And the whole crew had a morning master. Exactly. And how independent was this crew in planning the, the voyage? Very. Did you all feel like you had independence, like control over where you wanted to go, if you wanted to stop, if you wanted to do the overnight, all of that? Yeah, I could say uh, we had our ideas, and then Ben very kindly would go, meh, how about we go over here? And I'd be like, okay. Because <laughs> maybe like, we were making a bad decision. <laughs> I don't think we should do that, but that's a great idea. Let's look over here. And I mean, it was all the same. I mean, it was just like, you know, different sides of the same coin, but. Um, what, was it weather related or was it because Ben knew where to find ice cream? <laughs> well, there was some of, some of that, but <laughs> I mean, he kind of had an idea where, you know, how, how far can we get in a day and what our expectations were. So, you know, I think we averaged about 30 miles to 40 miles a day um from one anchorage to the next but you know how to get there safely and and easily um i think that's where ben stepped in and said you know well we'll go through this passage here or we'll follow this channel through here up until we get to this opening or you know there was some things that influenced that that i wasn't aware of just because my lack of knowledge of the area yeah local knowledge local knowledge that was really important and plus timing you know the we're trying to meet certain goals throughout the the core. So, you know, Ben kind of steered us to make sure that we've met those. Right, yeah. right. Mostly for the educational program, trying to make sure we cover yeah. all bases. <laughs> we also had a special so. destination on our trip. We, we like, attended a special event. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That true. Very cool. True, we did that. What was that? It was the meeting up of all the schooners. And, uh, yeah, that was amazing to sail through those giant boats and sort of see how their sails worked because I'd never seen that in real life. Yeah. And just watch them all come in and then anchor. And that was, yeah, it was beautiful. It was very majestic, mm-hmm. actually. It's a beautiful, a very unique thing about Midcoast Maine is all those schooners. Um, so we talked about your most challenging day. When you guys came off the boat, the first thing I noticed was a lot of laughter. Everybody just was so full of joy. So I want to hear the funniest moments, and I'll just put the caveat out there. It is okay to talk about poop. Because on any, <laughs> because on any expedition, I, I know that conversation comes up. Well, I didn't poop the whole trip, so. 
Daphne, that's not true. You told us every time. Uh, I, I, know. I, was very, I was very happy, very proud. <laughs> you kept us updated. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but we would be talking about knots and end up talking about poop. It was just one of those things that just like, it, we would digress and it'd be like, hold on a minute. <laughs> but the funniest moments, let's, let's hear about your... What did you put in the logbook at the end of the day for the for the highlights and the funniest moments? Um, well, Ben, what was the funniest moment for you? Because I know we had one night where everybody was tired and got insanely punchy, and I was like falling off the falling off the seat laughing. So I'm curious about your point of view on that. It's all uh, a blur now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I pretty much try to forget the trips right after they're done <laughs> as quick as possible. So all I remember is just giggling the entire trip. So it's hard to really pinpoint one thing. So, you know, we were we got to a point where we were just tacking back and forth up some sound. And I don't know what happened. Like, I, I went below for something or I was just eating my meal or taking pictures or whatever. But I was like, at some point I was like, wow, we've got to be the, almost to the top of this fjord by now. And oh. but I realized... <laughs> We were going completely back the way we came. And I was like, when did the boat turn around? Like, how did I not notice this? And I felt like a, such an idiot for, like, how did I not realize the boat was going like 180 from where it was before? But, you know, it was foggy out. I didn't have access to a compass and you can't see the sun or anything. So you didn't really notice that anything had changed by the landscape. It's just all steep topography on either side. So I know you came up and you're like, wow, this fjord is really long. <laughs> And then after Somme Sound, that's when you guys did your overnight to get back towards Rockland. How did that go? That was so surreal. When we were outside, uh, out past any sighting of the land, the sun was setting, the water was this like smooth, ripply mercury that was just shimmering purples and pinks. And you almost kind of like lost the horizon, the, the water and the, the sky melded together and it was just majestic it was an amazing experience i mean i was so i was scared of it originally and it's really was spectacular i mean i would rate it right up there with one of my great experiences yeah yeah it was a lovely night night. i had a lot of difficulty sleeping that was kind of the entire trip and i don't really know if there was any specific it was probably because i was drinking a lot of coffee too and coffee usually really oh. screws up my schedule if I drink a lot of it. But yeah, I was having I was having trouble sleeping. So I was pretty fatigued when I was on deck for my watch. And I just remember saying something like, oh, I was so tired. I was so tired. And Angela, <laughs> Angela has such a, a gracious way of putting things. And she was like, a unique level of fatigue was experienced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And so how, what did you guys think of sailing in Maine? I, I, for me, I think Maine is such a really special place to sail. If you were, were going to describe to someone who might want to come sailing in Maine, what would you tell them about it? Well, I guess um, going back to your first question, what was a surprise? Um, I would say just, just an amazing geography and landscape and being out there on the water was beautiful. I mean, we saw seals, all kinds of birds. Um, each night in Anchorage was beautiful. I mean, we're, you know, we're tucked in amongst these tall mountains or even cliff faces. And uh, yeah, and yeah. the temperature was perfect that time of year. So 
Yeah, I mean, I've completely and utterly fallen in love with the state of Maine. You know, it's challenging, but you just see things in a way that you can't see them hiking or, you know, driving around. I'm surprised you didn't mention the lobster pot. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> We're from the Chesapeake Bay, and there's lots of crab pots. I have never seen anything like those. Yeah. God. Those dang lobster pots made me just want to eat lobster all the time just in retaliation. (laughs) (laughs) That wouldn't wouldn't work in retaliation. (laughs) It would just make it worse, wouldn't it? Uh, Yeah, they were something else. They're everywhere. It's like a whole real technique that you have to practice to avoid those lobster pots, especially if you also have a current at the same time, like even a max flood or ebb pushing you sideways onto those lobster pots. Mm -hmm. What did you think, Daphne? About the lobster pots? Yeah, because you don't have those where you live. Well, I mean, we you have to kind of dodge them coming out of San Diego Bay, but it's not they're not as numerous, and there's just kind of a field of them, and you can... It's easy to avoid them, I guess. But here, it was so ever-present, and it's just like, I, I kept feeling like, you know, hey, eventually we're going to sail out of this, but no, you never do, <laughs> like, <laughs> until, you, until you get way offshore. And yeah, I mean, to reflect what you said, I, I was kind of half hoping that we ran over one and ca- got it caught up because I was just like, yeah, we could get lobster for dinner if we have to haul that thing up or something. <laughs> well, we have caught lobster pot before on our sure. prop. Yeah. Or, and it's it's not fun, <laughs> especially if if you've got a current or a wind that suddenly pushes you along and now you're dragging the lobster trap with you maybe or um, you got to act quick to get it untangled. Yeah, I was, I, I was also surprised that we didn't run into any lobster pots. Good job, Chris. Well done. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well done, everybody. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, well, everybody was on high alert. I mean, everybody was pointing out pots are coming up. So I think we're all kind of key towards not having that happen. So, Yeah, the current is something I'd never experienced before. And you yeah, guys have such extreme tides. Yeah. I mean, you have to just be, yeah. re- you got to know that stuff. I mean, we're used to, what, two feet? Yeah, most. And, and, and not strong currents. So that was, that was an interesting lesson. Before I came, I was just like, I was looking at the map of the coastline of Maine. And I'm like, holy cow, this place is a minefield. There's just rocks and islands. And there's so much stuff to look out for that I was, I had some anxiety about, you know, if I was up, if I was going up there on my own boat, I would just be like, ready to poop the entire time (laughs) so it was it was good i mean i knew that you know obviously i'm getting on a boat with a crew that's experienced on the shoreline so you know there's there's backup you know yeah to to experience it yourself was it was pretty unique and it it, i mean at the end the end of the trip it it made me feel like oh yeah you could totally do this yeah Mm -hmm. yeah exactly well that's one of the reasons we come back to maine time and time again to do the more self expeditions is because it offers such a unique experience to pack a lot of learning into a short time because we want you guys to experience every challenge we can possibly now i can't muster up the wind or the fog but i can pretty much count on any main expedition <laughs> having having a diversity of weather and then of course as daphne was mentioning the currents and the rocks and the topography are you sure teresa you weren't like on your computer getting that getting that bad day going for us i just have a feeling you can do it <laughs> i just want to say that you know what's being described as the bad day was my favorite day like, right. yeah, I'm with it you wasn't definitely. a bad day for me. I was having a great time. Sometimes yeah. the, the, the most challenging or the scariest days end up being the, the best moments that you look back on. 
Type because of fun. a lot of growth and a right. lot of challenge and pr- probably a lot of laughter too. Yeah. Yeah. I remember sailing in amongst the schooners. Remember I kind of got nervous after a while as we were tacking back and forth amongst the anchored schooners. That's one of my top memories is being like, I, I think we should just get out of their way right now. Because <laughs> there were there were a couple of more schooners that were tacking around and I, I just got nervous that we were going to get in their way and... Well, didn't Cappy say that had it been any other yacht out there? That's right, he, he did. He would have I... been nervous about it, but because yep. it was you and he knows you know schooners. Yeah, he did say that. He mm-hmm. said not. I asked him if it, if we were being annoying. I texted him afterwards and Cappy said, Cappy is Captain Garth is a friend of ours. We call him Cappy, but he he sails the Lewis R. French. Yeah, so I texted him afterwards and I said, "Were we? Was it annoying that we were in your way? Like you know, little fly flying around?" And he's like, "No, no, no, it's not a big deal. I knew you'd get out of my way, so." Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, it, yeah. Did, it did kind of. I feel like I was at the helm for most of that, and you were. I mean, to me, it just felt like I was doing donuts in the parking lot. Like all these big ships are coming in, and we're just kind of constantly like circling around everything. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was exhilarating for me. Um, I have yeah. to say, uh, the Ladonna came up the fjord, and that was really cool to see. And um, Ben, you said, oh, very dismissively. That's just, you know, it's luxury for the people on it. They all have their own cabin. I mean, they have their own bathrobes. And I like, meant a mental note, luxury? <laughs> hmm, I need to look this up and see how much this costs. <laughs> Different experience. More self-expeditions are luxury. Yes, yes absolutely. Because you learn something. Yes. You're, are, you wink, learn a lot. Wink, nudge, nudge. And they have the softest robes. The softest road. It's amazing. The thread counts are seen. But that um, back to the night of this, where we when we anchored with the schooners, um, it was too, actually it was it was bookended. The schooners were beautiful, but then we also were experiencing or were going to experience really high winds that night. And where we were anchored, we were kind of in a precarious place because we were on a bit of a shelf. And had we dragged anchor at all, um, it could have been dangerous. So um, that's the night we set up watches. So at about one o'clock in the morning, Ben initiated the watch and we rotated through that. And um, I thought that was a great experience um, about going back to that structure. So the watch was was nicely structured. Everybody knew exactly what they're supposed to do. And you just follow these sequences. When uh, do you wake Ben or Angela up, get them up in... Uh, and so we made it through. We didn't drag anchor, but it was nice to see how that process actually works and, and walk it through and, and be a part of it, which, which was really, really great. Really valuable. Were you guys given any tasks to do during Anchor Watch? Oh, yeah. We had a, a couple points to keep citing to make sure that we weren't, weren't dragging anchor. Actually, when I, when I came up on my watch, it was just kind of pre-dawn. And I think like... One of those was probably a, a home on shore or something. And I don't know if they had some kind of auto dimming feature in their house, but when I got up, it was really bright. And throughout my, my just like 45 minute shift, those lights started to dim down. And I was like, is that, is that really it? Am I looking at it still? And then there was some traffic at the other end. I guess there were like maybe three lights on a far shore. And we were looking at the third light, the, the furthest one towards the end of the shore. And, but there was also a bridge in the distance or a road or something. Mm. And mm-hmm. occasionally there were headlights and that would, that would drown out the other lights on shore. And so, and then once the headlights passed and, you know, the sun was starting to come up, I was like, is that the, is that my sight? I can barely make it out. But I mean, the numbers always agreed. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, it's gotta be it. And how was it being up in the middle of the night, the only person awake? Oh, well, I mean, 
I just want to make sure I wasn't stomping around and making a lot of noise, which is hard when you're like, you know, fully suited up wearing mm-hmm. rubber boots and kind of squeaking around everywhere. And, and you've got your follies on and they're just like whoosh, 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 with every, <laughs> every move that you make. And it went really quickly. It went really, really quickly. That quick. was the thing. It's no matter whether we were offshore or just doing anchor wash, it just seemed to fly by the watches. I got to say that's the best um, night's sleep I've ever gotten on anchor watch because you guys were really quiet. It was amazing. Yeah, so we had to do things like um, we checked the barometer, see if there's any change, looked at it. We were using the radar at that point, so we checked our position on the radar, um, kind of did a general boat check, and then also, uh, yeah, we had some, we did some triangulation. So we looked, used points on shore to triangulate to make sure that we weren't moving. So we had, um, it was definitely a belt and suspenders kind of thing, and that was very reassuring to me that, we had several means of keeping an eye on where we were to make sure that we weren't moving. So, Angela, do you think you'll work for more Selfa again? <laughs> if you'll have me, yeah. It was excellent. I loved should it. We have her, should we have her back? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yes. She's, I'll write a glowing recommendation. I will, too. She's a gem. Yes. <laughs> She's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, you guys should do a trip, the two of you. Angela and I have you talked do. already about yeah. doing a women's trip next year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, something that was uh, really special for me on that trip when we went up to the wooden boat school when I at the first time I ever sailed was right out of college I think over 12 years 14 years ago um and I didn't know a halyard from a hamstring and um the first boat I ever sailed which was the AJ Meerwald which is a restored oyster schooner in New Jersey which is usually New Jersey just happened to be in Maine um they, they came up to get their decks ripped out and redone and so we were sailing in and I saw these primary colored stripes on the mirror wall and I was staring right right at it with binoculars saying wow that looks just like the mirror wall how funny and and then Ben was like that is that is the mirror wall and then I looked at the <laughs> transom and and Chris Chris came on board of, of that boat um you're not yeah, sure what cool. you thought of that old thing but I sure am sentimental and it was just so wow. nice to have the present experience uh, that I was doing kind of tied to where it all started for me. Right. That's a good point. You know, I get that every single week or almost when I sail up here and I see the Louis R. French because that was the first boat I ever sailed on and she's sailing around Maine. So it is nice. I, I know exactly what you're saying. We get to see the the old you and the old times and correlate it to the new you and the, the new times. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up soon, but I wanted to know uh, one like, what was the main takeaway that you took from this from this course? The one thing that you'll the, that you'll carry with you, or yeah, maybe something you'll take to your own boat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'm going to take Chris and Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> we would love it. Aww. We're, we're, I mean, nice. I think we're all in Deltaville, right? So yeah, I mean, I feel like we're we're all people that we're pro- uh, we'll probably meet each other again somewhere out there. With Chris and Brandon, I think that's a definite. I've already seen Molly twice now, so yeah, she seems she seems to be on boats, and yeah, I'm sure I'll yeah. run into her again too. Yeah, when we came back this past weekend, I was so excited to get on my own boat. I was like whipping out a chart. I was thinking. I was looking at the weather, and this is something I never would have done. I mean, I would have said, "Oh, you know," Chris would have said. 
let's go boating. And then I would have looked at the weather, but I wouldn't have been the one to actually be that involved and really look at where uh, we were going. And actually we were going to, um, where were we going? St. Charles? Cape Charles. Cape Charles. I always get the name <laughs> wrong. And I was like looking at a chart going, ah, maybe we should anchor. I don't know if I want to go to a marina. And that <laughs> never would have happened. <laughs> cool. Good. That's great. I mean, I think the big takeaway for me was just that you can do this. I don't want to say it's easy, but I really know what to look out for now and, and how, to, how to mitigate a lot of different situations that I, I wouldn't have encountered just you know, sailing around the Chesapeake or sailing Lake Ontario or Superior. You know, all those places are very unique. San Diego is pretty unique. The thing I hate about having done most of my sailing here in San Diego, it's, it's just like it's the same day over and over and over again, which is great, but also it's not challenging. You can go out and have the same sail like any day of the week almost. So yeah, I really appreciated uh, getting into a different environment. Oh yeah, for me, first off, um, yeah, I feel like I left with six friends, so that was really nice. But uh yeah, just a really renewed sense of confidence in going forward and um, confirming uh, some of the stuff I I knew, which is always great because you kind of operate from the sense of um, you think it's right until you get an opportunity to compare it to what somebody else does or how other things are done. So that was great. And then all the things I learned that were new to me, navigating with the charts, how to really read and understand what you're seeing on a chart instead of just following that little arrow as it makes its way across the water, kind of really knowing what your environment is like. And I'm anxious to just like turn the chart plotters off and navigate without any um, yeah, any assistance. You know, maybe, you know, if we need it, but uh, at the same time, it was a lot of fun. You know, it, it was engaged you in the act, you were actively sailing instead of just sitting and, and kind of looking around the triangulation, the, the dead reckoning. So you're constantly doing it. And I think, Daphne, to your comment, I think that's why time passed so quickly. It's like we're, we're always doing something. There was no time of just sitting around. Everybody was engaged in something as, as well as I was. And I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that and, and came away a different person. Well, thank you all for coming to the podcast. Thank you all for joining a More Self expedition. You're part of the More Self family now. And, um, I'll be in touch about that Newfoundland reunion expedition. Do. Yes. That would be really fun. That'd be great. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to stop the recording, but you Oh, thank God that's over. (laughs) Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Teresa and Ben Carey. Angela McIntyre is our assistant producer. And the music is by Tim Erickson, my brother. You can subscribe to The Morning Muster wherever you get your podcasts or visit morsealpha.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Morse Alpha Expeditions. Until next time, stay found. <laughs>